on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's important for me now that not only to take care of my own family, I have two boys and a husband, but to help them take care of their families and live comfortably and be able to provide. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm your host, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Ryan Grant and Stephanie Carter. Got a duet here on the King stage. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be here. Of course. I'm excited. I've had a couple of of duets. I've had some partners. I've had some husband-wife duets. But we got a whole new combo here today. So we'll get into some of that a little bit, but tell us what kind of business that you guys are in, how you guys know each other. Why do I have the two of you here? You want to take that one? I'll start. Yeah. So (laughs) we're in the garage door industry. We're residential and commercial garage doors, docks, things of that nature. A1 door company out of Richmond, Virginia. So local family owned business, been in business since 2002, but primary focus is garage doors. Like Stephanie said, love it. And obviously you guys, brother and sister-in-law. And so this is a unique dynamic family, but yet started business started by Stephanie's dad. I'm sure we'll get into some of that, but just giving the listener the dynamic here that we're discussing, obviously family, but, but all kinds of intertwining of family going on here. And so I just, I think that's super valuable. It's going to be incredible opportunity for us to talk about how that's worked and maybe been frustrating. I'm sure we've gotten, we'll get plenty of both of those. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you both separately. And so maybe Stephanie first, I want to know before we get into the story and the nitty gritty and how you've built this business, stuff like that. I want to know your why, like, why are you doing this? What's the bigger picture? What's really on the inside for you? Is this just a mechanism? Is it really about the garage door? What is this all about for you? Yeah, I started about 10 years ago and I originally was working at a restaurant and my dad kept saying, come work for me, come work for me. And I was like, dad, I love the restaurant business. I'm making cash and it's so much money. And he was like, come work for me, $10 an hour. And I was like, okay. So finally I said, if you buy me a pink shirt, I will come work for you. (laughs) He bought pink shirts just for me. Everybody else had navy blue. And I just started working there, answering phones, taking out trash. It started like super low key, just there to help out. And eventually he was like, maybe one day you can take over. So I started doing more and more. And now here I am. And the important thing to me now is we have about 30, 32 32 employees. And it's important for me now that not only to take care of my own family, I have two boys and a husband, but to help them take care of their families and live comfortably and be able to provide and all that. Sort of yeah, thing. that, you know, that's growth really is what you described. It started out as money working for my dad. I'm just doing the thing that yeah. turned into much more, obviously with 32 people and not just taking care of your family, but theirs. 
How did you come to that conclusion? Because that's a pretty weighty, what we would call the, like the weight of the crown. Like that's a pretty weighty thing to take care of all those people. Like, how did you get to that mindset? I mean, at first it was just, oh, hire employees to work this construction job. But now it's just so much more than that. We're not paying people $10 an hour anymore. It's paying people top dollar, providing a really good service. And it's just, the guys have always been like brothers to me. But when I first started, it was only like five of them. So now um, they're still like brothers to me, but I'm just super close with all of them. And it's important that they have a good life and that they don't look for another place to work, that they're comfortable here and they know that this is the place to be. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like a little bit of a mama bear effect, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. Ryan, what about you, man? What's on the inside? What's the bigger play here? To touch on what Stephanie said about taking care of the employees is important. But my background being in engineering, you know, working a regular desk job, doing Excel sheets all day, it was good. But something I found different when I came on board here is building something. I look forward to getting up every day, grinding, pushing it, see what we can create. I love garage doors, but I'll admit it, it could be anything. But just the fact that you're building something and you're in control and have control of your own destiny, basically. Yeah. And I love the even just the distinction between these two answers, because both are important, right? Whether the listener is a single, like they're the only owner, or eventually they're going to have a partner. You guys obviously fill in the gaps for each other. You understand the that there's obviously value in building. You, you can't have a business if you don't build. You don't have the 32 people if you don't build. And you're not going to hold on to those 32 people very long if you don't care about them. So there's like this, there's this back and forth of building a kingdom and then cultivating a kingdom. And I think that both of those are right in the answer that you just gave. Ryan, f- same follow-up question. Was that like, was there a moment in time or was this like realization at some point, maybe when you took over as actual owner, but like, when did that switch for you of engineering? Like I can do spreadsheets and I can, I'm building things, but not really, man, I'm like, I'm real deal building something here. My dad, which we may get into our background a little bit, he got laid off years ago and then started his own pest control company. So while I was in engineering, I was also at the same time doing a little bit of marketing. I built his website. So watching that a little bit, but his wasn't nearly big enough to, for me to ever jump on board. So I would say it started a little bit there. And then I saw this opportunity, same thing, the old school marketing and the phone book. And yeah, once, once I came on board there, there was no looking back. Yeah. What just a small little token of practicality of like just changing marketing, keeping updated, trying the next thing. That's part of building. It's tinkering, right? Like it's testing. It's going, Hey, what works over here? Oh, it doesn't. Oh, this does. Let's lean in. What could this possibly be? All those things. All right. Let's get a little practical into your story. Steph, you talked about this was like your dad's business before. What was it? How did, what was the conversation of you becoming an owner is what I want to know. So a little bit of background on like my dad and how he started. So before the garage door business, he owned eight video rental businesses and they were pretty big. He was very successful with that. I grew up seeing my dad as a businessman in suits and ties and always doing like fun events, going to Vegas. And when that started to decline in the early 2000s, um, yeah, and honestly, it was Blockbuster first that got really big in our area. We started to see a decline and he had to basically sell out and he sold out his business just in time. And he started working with his friend repairing garage doors. 
And it was very strange to me as a 10 or 11 year old being used to my dad as a businessman, seeing him dress in jeans and steel toe boots. And he was a completely new person. I had never even seen him wear like a ball cap before, um, other than when he played fast pitch softball. Eventually he was like, yeah, I'm working with my friend, but this is easy business. I could do this on my own. And my dad being the business owner, he had to start his own thing. He couldn't work for someone. He's very like independent Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Like he cannot work for someone else. He started. Everybody listening goes, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh. So he started his own garage door company. He named it A1 Door Company because he wanted to be first in the phone book. So that tells you how old our business is, about 20 years old. And it worked for a really long time being first in the phone book and A1 Door. And he grew the business and it was sad for me at first because I would hear him like wake up in the middle of the night to go do an emergency call at two o'clock in the morning at a fire station. So it was hard, but that's a little bit of of background, like how I I started. Yeah, I know. I love that perspective of the roots of the actual business. I think that's good to hear because that's probably where the listener is today, right? Listener is, man, I jumped off I had this thing, whether they were successful in this, the thing before or whatever, this is brand new for them. And they're in the building stage and the 2 a.m. phone call, even though that may not be applicable to their business, it's the same warrior stage, right? You just, you have something to fight for and you're going to battle. That's just what we do as the warrior. And you just, you don't count the cost, you just do it. So I appreciate that background because it's what it's done is that he was in that stage long enough to where it built a foundation or maybe some security around the kingdom where you guys were able to then take it from there. So give me just another couple minutes on like how then you stepped into more than just taking out the trash and answering the phone. So I always knew after he he switched jobs, I always knew I kind of want to help my dad because I feel so bad for him that he worked so hard. So I started in 2012 and yeah, I started like super simple. Actually, my brother used to run the company with my dad. There okay. was some issues, a little bit of a falling out there. And one day it was July, 2013. My brother was no longer working there. My dad was like, you need to step it up. It's basically me and you now. So I did work on a truck for about eight months. I'm not, I can't say that I could go out and install a garage door on my own. Um, sure. And that's not what I meant for. Exactly. I at least know like the function and yeah. over the phone, when customers call, I can at least have an idea of what they're talking about and knowledgeable about the products and the way everything works. So basically, yeah, he was like, now I basically was promoted to an office manager. I started learning how to do payroll. I managed the guys. They would call in sick to me and not my dad. And that's where it all started for me. And Ryan, I think started what year? 2015. In 2015. Yeah. So at that point he was just marketing and I was still like office manager. And then in 2018, January is when my dad turned the company over to us and we became the official owners. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of like grew up in the business together a little bit. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So when Ryan came on, I think we had just reached a million in sales Mm -hmm. that year. Um, So we were a very small business. My dad was very involved. He was still working in the business and owning the business. And within the past couple of years, we've been delegating jobs out to people and not trying to work seven days a week, all us. So yeah, it's hard for my dad to see that. He's still here seven days a week. And um, 
<laughs> but we tried to delegate a little bit more. We had a retirement party for him two years ago, cake and everything. He still <laughs> has not missed one day since that retirement party. No. Wow. <laughs> he might have taken a cruise too, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, there's so much good and also ah in what you just said because that's what you just described where your dad was and probably even still now in his mind is just it's the technician it's the it's the warrior it's just what it is and there are people who are just really good at that and it's just so difficult and there's probably a lot of listeners listening to this going yeah Matt, i'm on the job site or i'm the one working with the marketing client or the, the function of the business is and that's okay for a period of time but in order to grow it has to be more so you guys obviously were the ones to facilitate that and your dad probably knows that if he if it had been if it had stayed in that motion, it probably wouldn't have been able to become what it is today just because it, he physically, you can't do all that right. with he's, one person. He's been really good about, we have a lot of different beliefs on how the business should be ran. He's the guy that's, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to control everything. I'm going to be part of everything. And ours is, let's put the people in place and trust them to manage that. Even though he disagrees with a lot of the stuff we might do, he always says, you know what? It's your final call. Plenty of disagreements, but he always lets us go. He doesn't try to step in and say, no, that's not happening. And one of the cool dynamics about our business is Fred built that foundation for us. I think starting a company from scratch is a completely different challenge that Stephanie and I didn't have to do. We stepped in and we had a good base yeah. and Fred ran it probably like most small businesses do doing everything. Yeah. But when we took over, I've been on a truck like Stephanie, but not enough to, you don't want me or Stephanie installing your garage door. I, I can <laughs> promise that. Yeah. We, we can't overstep that that boundary. We have to to use the people we have to manage yeah. that. And I've tried. Sometimes I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I'm not the best tech in the business when I'm supposed to be at the top. When I've tried to get on the truck, our management team, the guys that you know are great at that, they say, no, just stay in your lane, do what you do well, and let us worry about managing yeah. the technicians. So yeah. they got kind yeah, of forced us to make that divide. A hundred percent. And it's a blessing and I, not necessarily sorry, a curse, but uh, it's a hesitation as an owner of going, but should I be the best? Like in order to lead them, do I need to be better than them? And the answer is no. In fact, find other people who are better than you. And usually that's what you know compounds. But for the listener listening right now, whether they either naturally are inclined to bring on other people or they're inclined to just do that themselves, both have to realize that it's just going to take an opportunity of, of, something beyond themselves. And that's really what you guys are representing. Even though the foundation was maybe already laid, it wasn't like all the work has been done for you. There's mm -hmm. just an, another layer that you had to take it to. So I think that actually the story of where it begins with you and then what you guys have done is probably the most valuable to the listener because the listener is Fred. And we need to help Fred triple and quadruple the business over the coming years, which is exactly what you guys have done. Let's go into just a smidge of practicality. Ryan, I want to go with you first. And I want okay. to know like a good decision. Obviously, you came in, we got a little bit of the history there. What, what was a good decision that you particularly made as an owner early on that first maybe year or two, you can look back and you this changed everything. So... When I started, kind of went for the low-hanging fruit. We had, I don't even think there was a Google business profile at the time. If there was zero reviews, no money put into search engine optimization. I think one of the first thing I noticed that y'all were paying a Google ads management company and they actually let 
it expire or the credit card expire <laughs> and it was turned off for a month and they were wondering why business had slowed and I saw yeah. that hey the ads aren't running so a lot of low-hanging fruit with digital marketing I would yeah. say that was a yeah. quick boost of revenue just from that another one of the first things was and I'm sure you can touch on how they did the y'all were doing the scheduling with daily plow daily planner calendar writing sure. down handwriting every technician's jobs for the day. So I, I remember we used we quickly went to a CRM that could do the online scheduling, yeah. route optimization, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say first few things were easy digital marketing, especially with Google and getting on some type of CRM and not doing things by hand anymore. Yeah. My follow-up question to you on behalf of the listener, they're like, okay, okay. They know they should be on Google. Maybe they are because that's pretty simple, but they're not doing SEO. They're probably not paying for any digital advertising. That's probably a little scary. Uh, the CRM, it's like, ah, oh, do I really need that? I'm not over a million dollars yet. Really how much time can that save me or how much does that help me grow? What would you practically say to that person who's having those thoughts about those two things that you just said? Rams, there's plenty of affordable ones out there that can do what a small business needs you to do. Actually, the first one we did was Jobber. Mm -hmm. And I still, even though we don't use it anymore, we've moved to Service Titan. I still have that membership active because we're a legacy member and it's like 39 bucks a month for unlimited yeah. users. So back then, 39 bucks a month got us off the paper planner right. and right. onto the CRM. So what's the value for the business, whether it's 39 or I know service Titans, obviously quite a bit more, but what's like, why do they need to make that shift? I think it's priceless, just especially where we're at now with the KPIs we, we can track. Each technician's got a scorecard. We can drill down to their billable efficiency, which is how many hours they've billed out versus how many hours they were clocked in. We pay a lot of money now for our CR CRM, you know, 10 times what we used to pay, but yeah, that, like I said, I, I think it's priceless to be able to do that, especially when customers call in to be able to type. They say, you installed my door and I've got this issue to quickly look up and find them, yeah. especially now with the ones that send out review requests automatically after the invoice has yeah, been done. So you don't have to rely on you or the techs physically ask the customer. Yeah, that's one of the best dollars we spend is on our CRM. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so what about digital marketing? Same play, they haven't done it or at least they haven't pressed into it. They're a little scared about maybe investing in that way. What would you say about that? Like I said, Google My Business is free. So yeah. doing that and asking for reviews is the first thing I would do. Beyond that, so I come from a technical background. I know not everyone would probably do this, but in the beginning, I didn't pay anyone to do the SEO. I took some SEO classes, read a lot of articles, figured out. I'm not an expert by any means, but I know enough to know how it works. So yeah. I did a lot of it, a lot of it myself. So if you're willing to put in the time to, sure. to do a little bit of research on how SEO works, you can fix a lot of that yourself. The website I built for A1 when I started, I spent less than, I think I spent like 250 bucks on it. I bought a nice template, switched out the words and the pictures. So yeah, if you don't want to spend all the money, you don't have to. You can do the research on your own time and do it like that. Once to the point we're at now, we don't have, or I don't have time to do that like I used to. We've delegated that to, you know, other companies to manage that. But at least now we've gone through several. I know enough to know when someone's taking advantage of us and when someone's yeah. doing what they're supposed to. So I'm glad I did take the time to learn some of that stuff in the beginning. Yeah. What you just said is probably one of the biggest things that I would agree with when it, specifically when it comes to marketing, there's just, 
unfortunately, just a lot of rounded talk in marketing. We're going to get you views. We're going to get you this. We're going to get you that. And it's not a whole lot of drilled down, like actual tangible result because right. marketing is just a fluid thing, man. And so it's difficult. I'm not trying to like pin marketers, but if you know at least enough, then you, you can have a, an intelligent conversation, hold them accountable to what you're doing if you are actually hiring something out. So I think that's huge advice. Stephanie, what would you say here is like practically just a good decision you can think back in the last 10, 12 years that you've made that just changes everything? Yeah, Ray might kill me for saying this, but I always say the best decision I ever made was hiring Ryan. Just ah. because, and he stole some of the things I was going to say because honestly, we were doing the paper schedule. I was writing every time somebody called, I wrote their name, their address, didn't ask for their email, just scheduled it gave the paperwork to the guys every morning. They were like physically clocking in. Now we have on our CRM system, they clock in there. We can track them. We have GPS. Yeah. It's just so convenient. And we stay connected with the customers now. I would have never known how to do any of this. I was just the waitress who started working for my dad and needed someone like Ryan to come help. So I yeah. I tell him often, and I know he, he doesn't take compliments well, but he was the best thing for our business just because we started when he came over we had just reached a million and now we're projected to do about seven million this year so in yeah. just that short amount of time ryan has really picked up picked up the business we started with a logo that looked like a window he was so disappointed in our logo <laughs> we just rebranded so now we have a nice new logo that everyone loves our trucks were wrapped with these like were wrapped. <laughs> they were wrapped, right? Like <laughs> these little black letters on them, red, yep. white, and blue, same colors as everyone else. All the other door companies are red, white, and blue. So Ryan came, we actually wrapped the trucks, got nice logos, and we really stand out. And I think that's important when you have a business, it's really important to, to stand out from the other companies yep. and get noticed on the road as well as the internet. I'm hearing, or I want to dissect what you just said for the listener as you already being, okay, so you're the daughter of the founder, you're in the groove, like it's your company, just as much as it, it was his at that point, whether you have the title or not. <clears throat> but for you to uh, humbly say, man, now looking back, what were we doing? And whether that's bringing in a partner or whether that's bringing in a consultant or whether that's bringing in a hire that helps with some of like, there's just so many ways that your mindset was, Let's get, I don't know how, I don't know what needs to change, but we want to get better. We want to level up. And so he just happened to bring some of those initial skill sets that allowed for this leveling up momentum, because that's really what it is. Both of you guys together, it's this, okay, we cover different areas. We're had different talents, but both of you guys together, at least what I've picked up so far, have this innate desire to just let, we got to keep going to the next level. Would you agree right. with that? Absolutely. For sure. And as good as I am on the technical side, Stephanie is as good at the customer service side. Customers love her. She does a lot of things just like I do on the technical side, just as good on that side that I'm not nearly as good at as yeah. her. So like you said, for the listeners, definitely finding someone that complements your skills is important. Yeah, 100%. We always like to say, Brian, uh, Brian <laughs> is the brains and I'm the heart of the business. Yeah, that's so good. It's so true too. And it's difficult actually for this, for that same person to be both of those, whether the skill set is there or not. I just appreciate you guys' openness on that because you don't have to be everything to all people. And I think that's the permission really that we're giving the listener is like, hey, like there's a lane that you're probably good at. Just 
stay right here. And then they're put some people around you that, uh, that can own those other lanes. I want to flip the coin. Stephanie, I'm going to go with you first here. Bad decision. Something you're just like, ah, that did not work out. What was it? That is a really hard question. It's Ryan and I were talking about this the other day. We were like, what have we done? That's really bad. And I blame him for this. We couldn't think of anything that we've like really messed up. Um, (laughs) But he did one time he bought a CRM system and spent, what was it? 6,000? I think it was like 8,000. $8,000 on it. And we never used it. That one stung a little bit. Yeah. Didn't lose you any more money though. So it's kind of like, yeah, it was in the beginning stages of the CRM and I thought I picked a good one. I didn't, I won't name any names, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, after about a month or two of trying to make it work, we're like, you know what? Let's just cut our losses and move on and put it behind us. Which, yeah, for us wasn't like a huge game killer, like risk the business. But yeah, that was the first one both of us thought of that they like to bring up to me from time. Let's just, in all seriousness, dissecting that decision right there. It's like, first off, you, you didn't have a better solution. So you had to take a chance. That's what happens with chance. It's like, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Even though that it quote unquote didn't, you still learned in that process of what you didn't want. The next decision, I bet, is the one that you use today. Or so there, there, yeah, yeah, very close. There, okay, there so you had another, you had a, a one, one more, one more one, failed attempt. One more, one more iteration yeah. before yeah. Service Titan, but we did really like the one before Service Titan, mm-hmm. Service Fusion. It definitely filled that gap. Service Titan's much more expensive. And at the time, we were worried about the budget. So even though I knew Service Titan was the number one spot, we tried Service Fusion, which did what we needed it to do for probably three, four years before we switched. Yeah. So make the decision, even though it doesn't fit maybe everything, make the decision, go with what you have. Maybe it's a two or three year gap and then get to where you need to go. There's just, there's so many qualities in what you just said. Like it's simple. You just kept iterating, but right. for the listener, it's just sometimes so difficult. Oh, if I can't have service tight and then well, I'll just go paper. So <laughs> wait a second. Right. Yeah, and we- I'm not saying necessarily that's their issue, but it's the mindset of if I can't have it all, then now I'm stuck. Or how do I just take steps? Like sometimes it's just taking a step towards what it is, even though you make a $8,000 mistake. It's like, no, that was actually you just getting to where you needed to go. Really? Yeah. We've been through at least four CRMs to get where we are now. So definitely doesn't have to be the one that's the end all CRM. Look at your budget, look at how big you are and get something appropriate. Yeah. Stephanie, were you going to add something a minute ago? I was just going to say the only other bad decision I could ever think of is if we're in a rush to hire someone, we're just super understaffed. We've hired some bad people in the past, which is never good. It's always good to be patient and really interview and background check. And yeah, yeah, that's the only other thing I can think of. We've had some bad hires. Yeah. Yeah, that, but that was in the back of my mind, a number two of bad decisions, which yeah. wasn't anything major, but just whenever we felt desperate and been like, that guy really wasn't our favorite, but we need someone, let's try it. It yeah. usually does not work out. Right. Yeah. The desperation really in any sort of decision-making to have posture, poise, to be able to walk away from the deal, as we say, whether in sales or real estate or deal-making, like you got to be able to go in knowing you want the deal, but I want to hire the right person. Maybe it's this person, maybe it's not, but I'm all, I'm always willing to walk away no matter what the scenario is. I can't need this person or this deal so bad that potentially it clouds my judgment. I think that we've been able to avoid any major mistakes just with me, Stephanie, one of the other owners, Chris, and 
her dad, Fred major, we sit down, talk through it. And we've never left the room where we hadn't been able to eventually come to an agreement on something. So I think having a good team helps prevent you from doing anything without fully thinking it through that you might regret. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's like you guys know my script. My next question is like, hey, what's the process? What steps do you take in making good decisions now? And so what you just said is that you're delineating with your executive team. You're really trying to process through things. Is this a regular thing? Is this when things pop up? talk about maybe planning, like you're obviously light years ahead of maybe someone doing 500,000, but take maybe what you're doing today, give that to me first. And then what would you say to the person who's much smaller and what they can do to get there? So today, anything major, like I said, me, you, Chris, Fred, we'll sit down in the same room behind us, the conference room and just talk through it. And usually if someone's really adamant about, I know this is going to work. I'm really passionate about it. The rest are like, okay, let's give it a shot. Like I said, we've never gotten into where we blow up and everyone leaves because there's no agreement. That's the process now. And it wasn't too much different back then when we started, it was just less people, whether it's two people doing that. Prior to both of us, I guess it was just Fred making all the decisions. But yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, of course. I think that the really the distinction there is that you've got people around you built in, right? So for Fred, when he didn't have anybody or the listener who maybe doesn't have anybody, what would be your suggestion? Because really what you've talked about is this, the value of multiple minds and dissecting things and opinions and experiences and this delineation of this thing. And you kind of work it out. And then, hey, once we've put it to a good work, does it still make sense or does it not? And if it does, Let's give it a shot. But guys that are out there doing it by themselves don't have that. So what would you say? I would say once you get to a point where you can bring someone on, it's definitely worth it. I haven't ran into any huge successful companies that still just have that one guy making all the decisions at the top. So I think it's important once you do reach that point where for us was probably Fred made all the decisions himself up until that one million dollar mark, but that was around the time he could afford to bring Stephanie on. They could afford to bring me on. But yeah, recognizing when you reach that point. And for us, it's never been about getting rich. So we're not super protective. Maybe we should be more protected of the equity. And like I've told you before, when we recognized we needed to bring on a team member, we were willing to give up some of that equity to make sure we had the right guy, you know, on our team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to add also, we read a lot of books and we go to seminars and we learn from other people's mistakes. And yeah, good point. Maybe if you can't bring someone on, find someone else that's maybe a, not a direct competitor in your same industry that's willing to let you bounce off ideas and have that same strategy, just they don't technically work for you. There's a big heating and air company that Ryan just went to tour a few weeks ago. So we lean on other companies in similar fields to try to see what works for them and how we can help each other. Yeah, that's such a great point. I love it. I'm going to go over to the uh, speed round. And my first question may be a little difficult. And with you guys having different parts in the business, they're probably going to give me different answers, which I love. Stephanie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you first, if you could only track one thing forever and ever, what would it be? So I would say, I guess we're big into profit. We like to see like our profit and how profitable we are. I guess that would pretty much be it. 
<laughs> That's the one thing before, before Ryan started, I had no idea anything about profit. I was just like, oh, we're making a ton of money. I'm making $15,000 bank deposits. We're rich. But now <laughs> our profit is important because we like to profit share with our employees and make sure that everyone's taken care of. So profit is very important. We've had to up our price a lot in the last two years because of COVID. Everything got a lot more expensive and yeah. it's hard to go up on price, but you have to still be profitable through the pandemic and with all the increases. So it's hard yeah. and it's hard to basically put it off on your customers, but most people understand that everything is going up, especially food and gas and all that. Yeah, that's business, right? If you're going to come in and provide a service, not just a service, because they could get probably a garage door service, a quality service that that is actually going to solve the problem. That's actually going to give them what they need. That's actually going to be there in five and 10 years when they need you again. That's what they're paying for. And that's obviously you and I both know this, but I'm breathing some confidence into the listener who's thinking that same thing. Oh man, they probably don't even know their margins. Let's just be honest. Like you said, early on, you're just flying by the seat of your pants and you're not necessarily paying attention to margin, but you think you're making money and money's coming in and out and whatnot. But the reality of it is that you do need to raise your price so that you can hire the right tech and so that you can hire the office staff and so that you can provide good quality service and so that you'll be around in five or 10 years and actually offer a guarantee on your work. Like all these things you don't think about necessarily maybe as a consumer, but as a business owner, this these are all the pieces that make up the whole puzzle. Ryan, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, obviously profit is probably the number one for any business. But beyond that, I would say I like to watch our reviews. That's something that we started with zero. And I think it was a last week we actually crossed a thousand Google reviews, which was huge for us. Yeah, anytime there's something that that's always been important to us is making sure the customers are happy. So literally when there's a problem that someone in the office, we all sit up front close together, has like everyone jumps up, comes out of their office and we're trying to solve it. Definitely reviews. I think that tells us how our technicians are doing, how the customer service is going. So profit reviews beyond that, and there's a bunch we could name the key performance indicators out of Service Titan that it gives us. But yeah, profit number one and reviews, if we had to pick a number two reputation. Yeah. That gives you the idea of, or I guess the pulse, right? The profit is the pulse of the business. The reviews are the pulse of the experience right. and, uh, and you need both. That's for sure. What uh, you said, you read a lot of books, Stephanie, what book would you recommend for a six figure business owner? The book that is my favorite is home service millionaire, just because the author is a garage door company owner. So I can relate a lot to him, but it goes over office organization, procedures, pricing, things of all those sorts. And it, it just helped us. Like I enjoy listening to it on the way to work. That's great. Also the author, he does a seminar every year called vertical track and he has a ton of speakers come in and it's just, it's really informative. Yeah, I would definitely yeah. recommend that book. If you're I heard, I've, you guys just got back from a vertical track event, I believe, right? So we couldn't make that one before we knew when the okay. event was scheduled. Stephanie had already booked a family trip to Disney World. Chris, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Almost canceled. Chris, our well, other that, so yeah, that that pretty much left me and I didn't I couldn't just leave with all three of us gone for a week. So we went to the first one a year ago. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get the next one. We just couldn't make this one. And plus, we learned so much at the first one that I'm still trying to implement. I couldn't imagine like cramming in any more on our to do list. So yeah. that yeah. that was huge for us. 
networking and meeting some other business owners. I think, I think sometimes it's scary if I didn't attend that, which we almost didn't in the first one, how far back that would have set us. It might've taken me right. 10 years to realize what we need to work on. If I would have ever learned it, yeah. that was something huge that really changed our mindset. And that goes back just to meeting with other fellow business owners in our industry. 100%. Yeah, I was I was having a conversation with Matt. You guys know Matt. Obviously, that's how yeah. we met. Yep. Um, Matt was there. He got to open up the conference, actually. He was the initial speaker, and obviously that fired him up. But yeah, I think that the moments in time that we have to be able to capture the knowledge of other owners, their experience, their ups and downs is huge. I agree. Would you add anything to the book recommendation, Ryan, from your perspective? Some of the business books are hard to get through, but one that I really enjoyed, I couldn't wait to get in the car in the morning and fire it back up. And the last year was built to sell. That was one that I found enter entertaining and okay. informative. Um, just going through a real scenario where the guy's business, he wanted to sell it, found out it was worth nothing because he was the one guy doing everything. And Selling a job. Yep. Yeah, went through step-by-step step of focusing on what he's good at, getting a procedure in place and managing instead of doing. And then you know, it's not even about if you want to sell, just running it like you are going to sell and having that option down the road is huge. So that's yeah. one I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good book. The mindset, philosophy, everything that you just spouted off at is a really incredible like page turner just in general, because like you said, most guys don't think about what, it, first off, what is my exit? Do I sell? Does it get passed down to my children? What is the next move? Because it will be here, whether that's in 30 years or in three years, it will be here. And if you're not building something now for that, it's really tough to go, hey, I think I don't want to retire. And crap, we got to get our PL together and this and that and the other. And it's, you know, we should have been preparing to exit or sell years ago, especially in that way where it's what is even valuable? What is someone willing to buy? If you're not coming with it and you're the main guy, there's not a whole lot here to sell. Good perspective. What do you guys think about intentionally networking and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? We talked about that a little bit, but expand a little bit on your guys' experience. Yeah, like I said, that's been the number one thing I look at and think, wow, if I didn't start getting involved with meeting and talking with other garage door owners, where would we be? We had a totally different mindset before, more of let's just bring in on technicians and let them fix the stuff and keep trying to grow. One of the biggest things is training them on sales. That's something that we never really considered. Wait, they're not technicians, salesmen that can fix garage doors. So being able to truly serve the customer with all of their problems, not just having someone say, oh, you've got, that's the one broken hinge. Let me fix that and get out of here. So yeah, that, that's been everything to us as far as networking with other businesses. If you're not, I don't see how you can, you're going to cap out at a certain point in, unless you're doing that. So that's definitely something everyone should do. 100%. Steph, you want to add anything to that? You pretty much covered it. But yeah, <laughs> connecting with other business owners, that's just, you learn from their mistakes. And that's helped us a lot because we listen to what other people did that didn't work for them and we steer clear. Yep. It's the no-go zone. I love it. We don't have to make the mistake again. I find though, as a stubborn entrepreneur myself, that sometimes we we see the no-go zone and we like to like tiptoe over there and take a look and see how bad the accident is. And 
it sucks us in sometimes, even though we know we shouldn't, we have to learn it for ourselves sometimes, which is not necessarily a trait I'm saying that we need to hold on to. I think every entrepreneur can relate to that. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were like, don't hire friends, don't hire friends. And we have interviewed like so many different girls for the office. We have all friends in the office. They're all like my sister's best friends and it doesn't work for other people, but it's worked great for us because your friend, these particular friends actually care about you and the business and the well-being of everyone. So we have challenge you to say that you care about them. Yeah. Yes. We do care about them, but we feel the love in return and it's nice. These are good friends that don't take advantage of you and what's important to us is also important to them. So it's worked for us. And a lot of people say, don't hire friends. And There's a lot of people <laughs> say don't have partners either. And you guys are crushing that. It doesn't mean yeah. that you like everything's perfect. Obviously right. you guys have your moments, but you're working through that as well. Would you say that the similarity there actually is probably like communication, clear expectation, being in alignment, like that type of language? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the organization to know what is expected of you. And that's helped. Yeah, a lot. Have good communication. We're not afraid. We're close enough that we're not afraid to say what we're thinking. We've gotten into plenty of arguments in the past, but I know every time we argue, we know we're eventually going to get over it and come to a resolution. So never, never goes too far. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a commitment to the relationship. One's not going to just throw in the towel and that can happen obviously with the other friendship. It doesn't have to be family or even ownership. It's no, we just are committed enough to each other to know that even in this moment, I don't like you. I love you beyond that. And I know we're going to come back together eventually. That speaks volumes to your guys' character and how you guys run things. One last question. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give Stephanie the honors of hearing your answer, Ryan. So she has a little, Ryan, if you could whisper in the younger Ryan's ear, what would you say? Honestly, it would have probably been to start networking earlier. Like, right away start reaching out to other business owners even not just garage door guys like stephanie said there's a pretty big hvac company that's the biggest company around here out of any home service i actually guessed his email with first and last name and the domain and i was like i'm just going to shoot an email and see if it makes it anywhere and he was like yeah come by i'll give you a tour and tell you anything you want to know that's something i feel comfortable doing now but had i done that five, six, seven years ago, I could be ahead of where I'm at now. And maybe that's something with confidence now versus back then being new, but I found there that people like helping other people. So I don't think you can go wrong, at least shooting your shot and see, seeing who's out there that's willing to help you. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that perspective. Stephanie, same question. If you could whisper in the younger Stephanie's ear, what would you say? That's a good question. You could help me out. I, I would say one thing we didn't bring up that's been tough on us that you don't hear a lot of owners ever talk about on podcasts. You hear owners are working 60, 80 hours a week. And I would love to be able to do that. But one of our challenges, we all have young children. I've got a one and a four-year-old. You've got a three and a six-month-old. All of our management team has young children and we're pretty young ourselves. I feel like we've matured a lot in the last couple of years and really focused on the business. I feel like maybe me and you both back then, maybe that's just part of the process, but I feel like really getting into it is something that maybe we could, could have done a little earlier. Yeah. You mean take the business serious, more seriously? A little bit, but like I said, we were a lot younger six, seven years ago and 
Yeah, it's just been tough. I feel like a lot of other business owners are older than us. Their kids are older. They've right. had time to mature. And I know me personally, back then, I was still trying to go out, have fun, didn't have any kids. Got and it. Now we've, now we've got young kids and it's even harder to find time. So. I was going to say, now you have to <laughs> make that time management tool work for you. Yeah, I would say that maybe I would say it's okay to go big because when we originally bought our new building, we were like, that's way too big. We're never going to fill the space. And now we're busting out of the building. Yeah, maybe it's, I would tell myself it's okay to go bigger because the sky's the limit. Wow, what a way to end. I got the chills. I'm freaking fired up. I'm going to go do it bigger today. Thank you for that. In all seriousness, you guys have been incredible. What a story. So much more to to unfold. I'm just excited to get to know you guys further. But how can the listener reach out? Maybe they want to reach out to you just to ask about operations or realism, your journey. Or maybe there's somebody listening in your area and they, and they need to hire you. How can they find you? Our Facebook at A1 Door Company. They can reach out there. Honestly, if you Google our number and call, we're here every day willing to talk to anyone. So if you call and we don't happen to pick up, which we still do answer the phones, just ask for Ryan or Stephanie and they'll transfer you right over to us. Pretty easy to get in touch with us. It's awesome. Family owned. Again, you guys have been just uh, just nothing but uh, but quality and premium here today. So thank you for telling your story. We wish you nothing but success. Blessing on your little kiddos. I've the just the mindset there of being dad and mom and business is something that a lot of people are out there doing. So I just need you both. So thank you for being here. Thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.